Always be a first-rate version of yourself instead of a second-rate version of somebody else. Stop trying to be the lone ranger, which is very, very difficult for nurses. And even something as crazy as asking for help. Self-care is not selfish care. It's really essential. It may not be easy, but look for the good. This is Kathy Driscoll, Chief Nursing Officer at Humana. Welcome to The Voice of Humana Nurses, a podcast about clinicians committed to improving lives. Join me, other nurses from Humana, and special guests as we discuss topics nurses care about. Hi, this is Kathy Driscoll, Chief Nursing Officer at Humana, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of The Voice of Humana Nurses. In today's episode, I'm so honored to have two very special guests who are going to talk about a topic that's gotten increasing attention, especially over the past year and a half. So today we're going to be talking about resilience. I once heard a saying that goes something like this, to withstand the storms of life, we need to yield to the wind. And this really has resonated with me. It's gotten me to thinking and reflecting about continuous change, about challenging moments, things that are expected and unexpected, hardships, heartbreaks, even wonderful things. All of these things really are a part of life and nothing truly gives us immunity from them or keeps them at bay so they don't impact us. But to really bend with the winds, to grow and flourish within ourselves and our environment, whether it's personally or professionally, we really need to learn to lean in and bend into the winds, to be flexible, humble, curious, courageous, optimistic. I don't know, maybe all of those things at once or sometimes in a different order, but ultimately to build our resilience. You know, there's been a lot of research that supports that building resilience and becoming resilient ourselves are some of the most important traits that we can have to successfully navigate through change through adversities, and really through life. So how do we exercise resilience? How do we learn to be flexible, adapt, and be positive and recover from change and not let it negatively affect our lives? Ultimately, how do we take good care of ourselves to support our own overall well-being? I'm joined today by two guests who have very impressive resumes and so much rich experience and insight on today's topic. First up, let me introduce Kim Richards. Kim is an author, speaker, and a life coach. She's a board-certified nurse coach, and she combines her passion for nursing, integrative health, and coaching to create the components of the Self-Care Academy. Her extensive research on the science of self-care and resiliency has been widely published. Kim offers professional workshops as well as a sustainable program to improve resiliency, engagement, and retention, and it's been successfully implemented by thousands across the U.S. and the U.K. One of Kim's newest offerings is a series of inspiring presentations she calls Rising Resilience. The topics focus on lessons learned in recovering from traumatic life events, great loss, and natural disasters. Kim's profound message of hope synchronicity and ultimate release of expectations will make you laugh, make you cry, and imagine a truly authentic life that is within your reach. Although this is Kim's first time on our podcast, our Humana nurses are familiar with Kim and her work as she's spoken to our nurses several times on the topic of resilience and self-care. And I might say 
to rave reviews. Kim, you've really resonated with our nurses. My second guest is Tim Duke, and Tim is a human resource leader within Humana. He's actually been with Humana for 26 years, starting his career in Louisville, Kentucky in 1990 at the Louisville Service Center. In 91, he was asked to move to San Antonio, Texas to help start up the San Antonio Service Center, and he was there for three and a half years, and then he moved to Tampa to be the HR director for the Tampa Market Office. In 1997, Tim returned to Louisville to assume the role of Central Region HR Director. You can see that Tim is very agile and flexible. He's moved around and, and really supported a lot of different areas. In 2004, he was asked to lead the Human Capital Initiative in Senior Products as a result of the Medicare Modernization Act. Then in 2014, he was the Human Resources Segment Leader with business alignment to our consumer and IT groups and our Bold Goal Initiative. Today, Tim is the Human Resource Director who supports our Home Solutions Organization. And Tim has been a great partner mentor and friend to me and lots of our nurses for so many years. We really appreciate him. Tim, as you can tell perhaps from his accent, was born in Alabama. He's a proud member of the Harley Riders of America and has a lot of cool stories to talk about his journeys there. He enjoys photography and baking desserts, and he lives with his wife, Linda, and his bestie friend, Charlie, an African gray parrot in Palm Harbor, Florida. Kim and Tim, welcome to the Voice of Humana Nurses podcast. What rich experience you both bring, and I wanna thank you for joining us today to share your experiences and insights with our listeners. So let's begin our dialogue with a quick icebreaker. And Tim, maybe we can start with you. How would you fill in the blank for the following statement? To know me is to know that. Well, thank you, um, Kathy. Um, I like being somewhat of a maverick, um, not fitting into a, a certain mold or stereotype. I, I like pushing the envelope. Um, I was talking to one of my HR partners the other day and she said, Tim, you are always coloring outside the lines. I said, thanks for the compliment. So that's a little bit about who I am. <laughs> well said, well said. Kim, how about you? The same statement. Wow, I like that, Tim. I love that. I love what you said, coloring outside the lines. That, that definitely uh, uh, describes uh, me and my life, too, and I do consider that a compliment. <laughs> so it's nice to meet you. You know, I think, uh, gosh, answering this question is uh, could go in so many different directions, but I would say absolutely, uh, people who know me know that I am a passionate healthy nurse evangelist. And I absolutely believe in the power that nurses have to create the, the incredible um, change and improvement in healthcare that we need, especially today. We have such influence um, as the tr most trusted profession in America, and but I do believe that we need to lead by example. And, um, you know, when we start treating ourselves better, it's amazing, um, you know, just kind of what happens from that, um, the influence that we have and uh, how people start to really watch what we do. So um, that's a little bit about me. That's great, and, and it really resonates, you know, treating yourself well, um, 
we were talking a group of us yesterday and we were talking about how we're often our own worst critic um, and um, Kim, you may have been the one that that brought that up, but I mean, it really resonated with me and it, it really, you know, emphasized care of self and, and Kim, I'll also share with you in one of your, um, I think it was in your first webinar that you did with our nursing uh, community. You said something that has stayed with me and I've quoted you repeatedly. And that was that self care is not selfish care. Um, it's really essential to health and well being and so powerful, so powerful. So, speaking of self care, Kim, you know, can you help us to define what that means a little bit more? And I know you talk about filling our cup. What are the things that go into filling our cup? Well, you know, it's it's a lot of different things, but certainly self care and resiliency uh, really just kind of go hand in hand. And self care really is just making yourself a priority in your own life. Um, it's been described as extraordinary mothering of self and mind, body, and spirit. As an integrative nurse coach, you know, we uh, we use the model of uh, integral nursing theory, and and we certainly break it down into six different pathways and uh, we talk about physical and mental and emotional, spiritual relationships, and then ultimately choice. And, um, you know, a lot of the, 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 the practices um, that include self-care, you know, don't really fit into the silos of just one or even two. But, you know, we know as nurses that, you know, treating treating ourselves or treating patients, you really have to look at the entire person, whole person health. And, um, you know, we can't just treat physical without looking at, uh, at mental or emotional. So it involves, you know, all of those different pathways. And filling our cup is such an individualized thing because self-care, you know, may be something uh, for me that I can describe. And Kathy, it may be different for you. Um, it's whatever keeps us grounded and centered. It's whatever helps us make time for ourselves, you know, daily and developing rituals that are meaningful for us and uh, healthy habits that we do every day, um, daily honoring of ourselves. And however that is, and in however much time we have, and however much time we actually make. Um, you know, I hear a lot of times from nurses, oh, gosh, I just don't have time to do that. Yeah, you do. You really do. It's how much time do you want to make for yourself? We certainly find time to make for other people. There's no reason we can't find three to five minutes every day just to sit in silence or listen to our favorite music or, you know, a podcast or talk to a, a good friend about something meaningful. There's just so many different ways that self-care can be expressed. I love I love that and it really takes delving into and, and knowing yourself to know what it is that you need and as you said to make those choices. Um, maybe you can just expand a little bit and talk about, how, you know, once we know ourselves and we, we make the choice, how do we develop resilience? Well, you know, there's there's so much research uh, on resilience and, and you can, you know, there's always that question, you know, are you born with resilience or can you develop it? And I've read evidence um, to support both. Um, 
you know, it's never too late, of course. And I think really resilience is about managing our internal environment because gosh knows we can't, we certainly don't have that much control of our external environment as much as we'd like to think we do. We really don't. Um, so it's really managing that internal environment uh, with our own boundaries, um, knowing that whatever it is, we can adapt uh, because we have that strong grounding and that strong centeredness. Now, how do we build that? Well, it goes kind of back to self-care, you know, making time for ourselves daily, developing those rituals. Um, you know, it could be something just as simple as, you know, being a little more self-compassionate, not being so darn hard on ourselves. So much of that is self-imposed. Um, it definitely has to do with how much sleep we get. You know, in the United States, where probably about 75%, I've read up to 85% of people just don't get enough sleep. Sleep makes a huge difference in, in our resilience and how we think and how we act and just our, our way of being. How we talk to ourselves. How do we listen to our body? Do we listen to our heart? Do we even think we have a right to listen to our heart? So it, it's those kinds of things, you know, just daily honoring of ourselves and uh, stop trying to be the lone ranger, which is very, very difficult for nurses. And even something as crazy as asking for help and delegating, things like that uh, really support our resilience and help build our resilience. And I think the other thing is that, you know, people who are, are very resilient uh, and, and people that I've interviewed in the past who, are, who I consider to be the most resilient people I've ever met, you know, it's not that they've never had horrible things happen to them. It's that they allow themselves to feel the, the full range of emotions, but they also know that they have the skills um, and that they have that internal environment that's able to really look at the big picture and put things into a different perspective. And and um, and and do more of that. Do more honoring of themselves and treat themselves as their own best friend, which is very difficult for nurses to do at times. Definitely hear you there, and I, I love that you know you're kind of centering on the choice that the choice is really that we have to make for ourselves. You know, Kim, this um, this pandemic that's been very prolonged has definitely taken such an incredible toll on us, especially people who are in caring roles, such as nurses. How do we help create a caring and supportive work environment that really is one of the things that focuses on resilience building for those in those, uh, those like nurses in caring roles? That's a great question. <clears throat> Excuse me, and one that I'm asked quite a bit uh, now. I think, you know, number one, we need to cut each other a break and we need to cut ourselves a break. This has been an unprecedented time um, and, you know, things are different and we're all going through something and, uh, you know, just being a little kinder, a little gentler, um, watching our tone with people, maybe listening to some cues that nurses are really good at listening to cues of, um, of stress and of, you know, need and of suffering. And we've all suffered uh, through this epidemic. 
you know, whether it's been physically or mentally or emotionally or so many different ways. Um, but I think that, you know, the most effective and efficient caring teams are made of people who bring their A game, um, you know, every day. And that involves practicing their own self-care and building themselves up uh, before, you know, they join the team. You know, you've got, you've got strong people within a team. You're going to have a team that is just, you know, can't be stopped. Um, and it requires each member just to make themselves a priority in their own lives and understand, like you said, Kathy, earlier, self-care is not selfish. And it's something that, especially in caregivers, really is is part of our job, is part of our role as a professional nurse to truly take care of ourselves and, you know, stop, you know, looking up to some ridiculous badge of honor we think we're going to get, you know, if we're the most exhausted. <laughs> you know, stop rewarding all this exhaustion and see the big picture and understand that, you know, we, we have to have that full range of emotions for personal depth to be able to, to feel that in someone else and, um, and to prevent the burnout. Um, that's really how we create a culture of caring. It's, it's truly caring about ourselves more and treating ourselves in a kinder and gentler way. That's great. I, I love it. And I, I was reflecting myself um, I was, it was a, the end of a very long day uh, last week, and it was one of those days that was just extra frustrating, it seems, with every meeting, every call. And, um, you know, got on, I think, my last call of the day, and it, there was the usual, how are you doing, which is, you know, fairly perfunctory when we generally say that. And I just said, I need people to be more kind. Uh, I really need that today. And I think that um, the group, which was not all nurses, actually, I think I was the only nurse, was a little taken aback by hearing that from me. Um, but I will say, um, I, I had asked for help in something, and they were very kind in their response. And I think sometimes we just need to step up and, and say that, that that's what we need. And let me tell you, not easy for me, um, I, you know, and... I think it's not easy in general for us as nurses. We're used to the kindness and the caring coming out of us and, and you know, to our members, to our patients, et cetera. But um, I, it's such good advice that we need to be kind to ourselves and we need to be that kindness to all around us, including our peers there. So thank you for that. Really appreciate it. You're really talking about allowing vulnerability to be accepted right. um, and to be vulnerable. And, you know, just your experience with, you know, how you responded to that question that everybody does ask, you know, when you, you get on a call, you know, how you do and everything's all fine, fine, whatever, you know, um, just allowing the vulnerability and being vulnerable. It's amazing how many walls that breaks down when someone is vulnerable and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, yes, me too. Me too. Yes, I feel the same way, you know, and it really creates right. more meaningful connections. I think, peer-to-peer. Um, -peer. Totally agree. So, Tim, how about you? What, what's your take on this question as we think about um, how we create caring and supportive work environments and how we can really support our associates, our team members um, with resilience building? Thank you, Kathy. Um, first, let me say uh, to those 
who are listening. Thank you for not only what you do, but how you do it. My wife is a retired nurse with some 30 plus years of service in various nursing roles and was a hospice nurse for the last 15 years of her nursing career. So thank you for making a difference every day, one person at a time. So how do we create a caring, supportive work environment? I, I believe it starts with leadership. Great leaders invest in their teams by listening and providing emotional support to discuss concerns and in, in difficult cases. Um, associates in a supportive environment are much more willing to reach out to their leaders when difficult situations arise and when associates experience from their leaders genuine caring for their well-being, they share that same care and concern with their coworkers. Thus, I think creating a supportive um, work environment. The second thing I'd like to, to talk about is as associates, by being thankful for and showing gratitude to each other, we play a big part in creating a caring, supportive work environment. It's important that we be thankful and show gratitude to each other, whether it be a kind word, I don't know, a card, an email, or a note of appreciation can go a long way in lifting the spirits of someone. As we, as we show our gratitude to our coworkers, our heart expands and we lift up others. A couple of months ago, I got a book and a card from someone who was retiring um, at Humana. We had worked together um, on various projects when I was in Louisville. She, she expressed her gratitude that we had the opportunity to work together and that I had made a difference in her career at Humana. I, I cannot tell you the number of times I have reread that card in the last month and the encouragement I get from it. So those are a couple of things, Kathy, that I, I would think support from the standpoint of having a caring, supportive environment. Yeah, and I love the, you know, kind of equating gratitude and kindness. Um, one of our team members, um, oh gosh, maybe about a year ago, um, asked us to start as a part of our regular team meetings, um, just have a round robin about gratitude. What are you grateful for? And it is very interesting because sometimes people will say things that happen to them personally or professionally. Um, I, I have noticed a lot of really supporting one another in the team by saying, I'm grateful for a certain person or what somebody did to me. And just, you know, really making, again, those human connections and really acknowledging we're, you know, we are teams, we're in this together. So really appreciate that. You know, Tim, um, it's, we all know it's hard to regulate, sometimes hard to regulate our emotions, to stay calm and collected, especially when times are uncertain, there's changes happening that we might not be able to control. But, you know, kind of we have that, that opposing goal of minimizing um, the stress that we internalize. So maybe you can talk a little bit about your thoughts about protecting kind of an inner peace and importantly, setting boundaries with influences or changes or people who are beyond your control. Sure. I, I, I'd like that. I like those words, inner peace. Um, inner peace is a, is a feeling, uh, a deep sense of mental and 
spiritual harmony and, and serenity. I like that. When we are at peace, we have the ability to keep ourselves grounded and we're strong, even in the face of turmoil, stress, or even uncertainty. So how do, how do we protect our inner peace? This goes back to something that Kim um, alluded to earlier. We do, we do not need to dwell on the past. To, to be honest, I, I sometimes struggle with this, but it is, it is so important to our to us having inner peace. We have a we have a tendency to dwell on the past. This could mean letting our minds churn over the mistakes that we or others, you know, have made. Dwelling on the past can keep us from forgiving ourselves or others. Um, it could mean reliving some painful memories. If and if we are dwelling on the past, then we are living in it, and that makes inner peace difficult to find. So let's not dwell on the past. Another thing that I, I seek to do is to embrace uncertainty. A gentleman by the name of H.P. Lovecraft, he wrote books about the workplace back in the 1920s. I like quotes, and this is a quote that he used. He says that the oldest and the strongest emotion of mankind is fear. And the oldest and strongest kind of fear is the fear of the unknown. Once again, I'll be the first to admit that uh, that embracing uncertainty is, is not easy because our natural tendency is to resist moments of uncertainty by holding on to what is comfortable and what is secure. Now, imagine you're in a room with two exit doors. One is a glass door that you can see through, and the other one is a wooden door that you cannot see through. Which one would you choose to open? The choice between certainty and uncertainty. Most of us would choose the glass door that gives us what a glimpse of what is out there. Not knowing can certainly be scary. We're not comfortable with not knowing. We will never have all the answers and often the most valuable learning experiences come from simply taking action and adapting our approach as we make progress along our journey through life. The most important thing is to take the first step, and maybe that first step is opening the wooden door. Maybe, uh, Kathy, as I think about the inner peace, we need to give to the attention that what, once again, that Kim alluded to earlier about what's in our control. In any difficult situation where the work or personal. There are factors we can control and factors we cannot control. But we choose how do we respond to those difficulties and the challenges that, that we face. And when faced with an issue, work, whether it be work or personable, one of the things that I do is I create a list of what's in my control and what's out of my control. And then I ask myself the question, am I focusing my time and my energy on the things I can control? or on those things I cannot control. Because you see, anxiety often comes when we focus disproportionately on the factors we cannot control and when what we're doing is neglecting to think about the things we actually have control. It keeps us focused on the big scary things we have little or no control over and making it even harder to focus on the things that we have control over. It's important to acknowledge the things that are out of our control, but gently move ourselves forward toward the things that are within our control. We need, we need to focus our thoughts, our actions, and our energy on the in my control list. Commit 
to making small, consistent actions on those things within our control and not on the things that are not within our control. Because at the end of the day, anxiety can rob us of our inner peace. But if we focus on the things that are within our control, we can have and find that sense of inner peace. Those are a couple of things that I would mention about inner peace that helped me protect it, huh, Kathy? Yeah, I love I love the idea of inner peace, and I hear from both of you, you know, how important it is to make that choice um, to think about yourself and focus on your own needs. You know, Tim, you know, you've had a long and rich experience and career. Um, maybe share a couple of the lessons that you've learned over the years that have helped you the most. Um, in your in your day to day life in your career and really helping you to find that inner peace. Thank you. Um, I think I think the first one um, deals with the fact that my mother taught me as a child to think to be positive about things. My mother my mother only had a ninth grade education, but she was the greatest teacher I have ever known. When, when things were happening that I <laughs> did not like, she told me that you can always find some good. I can still hear her voice telling me, it may not be easy, Tim, but look for the good. Believing that tomorrow will be better can help us get through the trials of today. When we react to our problems with hope and confidence, we can manage the situation better. We will look for solutions rather than dwelling on our circumstance. To remain optimistic and push forward can seem like an enormous uptaking, but with the help of one's faith, family and friends, we can and will get through the tough times of life. Being positive can help us stay balanced so negative emotions do not take over. And this has been a simple truth that my mother taught me that has stuck with me all of my life. And then another thing, Kathy, that I think is important is the fact we gotta unplug from work. The, the biggest work-life balance disruptor is thinking about work. Uh, we need to regenerate our energy, and unplugging from work is an emotional recharge that we all need. This past summer, our grandson Jacob and his mother came down from Chicago to stay for a few days. And from the first time Jacob could talk, he has called me Vroom Vroom because he likes to sit on our Harley and make it go or sound loud, Vroom Vroom. So I have the coolest name for any grandfather out there. But as, as soon as we got home from the airport, Jacob asked if I would get in the pool with him. I told him, I have some work to do, Jacob, but to give me 15 minutes and I promise I will get in the pool with you. Right at 15 minutes, he came into my home office and said, it's been 15 minutes, broom broom. I said, I'm about done and to give me 15 more minutes. He said, but you promised broom broom and he walked away with disappointment on his face. I shut down the computer work unfinished, put on my swim trunks, and got in the pool and showed Jacob that he was worth unplugging from work. So unplugging from work is very important. And then the last thing I will mention is that we need to be our authentic self. Uh, Judy Garland said, always be a first-rate version of yourself instead of a second-rate version of somebody else. We should embrace that which makes us different as a means to showcase our full potential. 
you know, we, we all have individual qualities and life experiences that make us unique and separate us from the crowd. And yet we often find ourselves tempering our difference in order to fit in. Any quality that makes someone different can become an advantage, whether it be the way we dress, our age, our ethnicity, our opinions, our piercings, the length or color of our hair, our gender, our passion, our tattoos, our perspectives, or our upbringing. The things that make us different can set us apart and make us better. Because I believe our uniqueness allows us to relate to people more broadly. Learning to be comfortable in our own skin and to differentiate and to distinguish ourselves in the world where there is boredom. So embrace who you are, be your authentic self. Those are some things I would add to the conversation, Kathy. That's great, Tim, and I'm glad you made the choice to listen to Jacob and, and jump in the pool with him. And, you know, that, that disconnecting is so hard for all of us. Um, somebody recently said, I don't know if I'm sleeping at work or working where I sleep. Um, so, it, you know, the, especially in the past year and a half that even more of us have been virtual, it, it, I think it, the importance of setting boundaries, it's not easy, but again, to go back to what Kim talked about in the beginning, we've got to make that choice. There's been a, such a great conversation and honestly, I feel better having had it with both of you. Um, Tim, why don't you round us out and talk about what's the one thing that you're personally working on now to continue to build your own resilience skills? And thank you for the opportunity to, to speak today, Kathy. Um, th there are times when there are no quick fixes and no easy answers to what we need to do to in our life, but we need to make a commitment to something. Um, the one thing that I'm working on, Kathy, is basically putting into practice what Kim and I talked about today, because I, I, I have not arrived when it comes to resilience. and. Like everyone else listening on this podcast, I'm, I'm a work in progress and I'm working to make a concerted effort to continuously work on my resilience by doing the things that Kim and I have shared today. So that's what I'm working on, putting into practice to what we've talked about. And I think it's great to acknowledge that too, because we're all a work in progress. Um, you know, even the, the story that I shared about telling people I needed some kindness and I needed them to be kind to me. My gosh, that is not my typical meeting, um, you know, where I share that vulnerability and um, it, it's, it's all a work in progress. But, you know, you both have brought up such important thoughts about making the choice about, you know, self-care is not selfish care. It's really essential for us as um, members of the helping professions, members of caring professions, you know, both in our personal and our professional life to really focus on ourselves so that we can continue to care for others and we can have strong relationships and we can find that inner peace. So I want to thank you both so much for being taking the time to be with us today. Um, it really meant a lot to me personally, and I know that all of our listeners will really find a lot of valuable things to think about and to continue being a work in progress because each of us are. So to our listeners, thank you for listening to today's wonderful episode. I encourage you to subscribe and listen to the voice of Humana Nurses 
wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd love to hear from you as well. So send us an email at chiefnursingofficer at humana.com and give us your comments and your suggestions about topics or people you'd like to hear about or hear from. So until the next time, be well.